Okay, so if you've got the Word of God with you, if you've got your worship guide with you, if you've got your eyes that you can see the screen, if you'll notice up on the screen, I did the lighter gray on the top part because this is what we preached on and taught on last week. Our focus is going to be in verse number 10, but let's read all three of them. For, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, very good. Let's, let's pray for our teaching today. Uh, Lord, um, we, we know that last week we talked a lot about grace and just the fact that you've rescued us. And this week we're going to talk about works. And there could be conflict here if we're not careful. So I pray that you would help me to speak succinctly. And I pray, oh God, that my words would fall to the ground and only what is of you will remain and that you would change us and that you would inspire us. You would remind us um, this morning of the things that we need to be reminded of. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so while there's a microphone out there floating around, who's got it? Anybody? Okay, back in the back. Who can tell us what we talked about last week? You don't even have to have a microphone. I can spit it back. So what was our topic last week? Somebody tell me. Grace, what else? Grace, faith, what else? It's not in us, it's only Christ. It's just the previous verse. We looked at, you know, what does grace mean? What does saved mean? Remember with the salvation, there was the three parts, do you remember that? And I kind of made fun of Jesse's husband a little bit because he's the Greek guy, right? There was the, the past tense of being saved, there was the continually being saved sanctification, and then there's the future salvation that will come to us. And then we focused on how all of that was God's doing, not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works. It's not a result of works, okay? Um, but then, in the very next passage, he goes heavy in to work. So it's not a result of works, you know, but he sure is going to spend a lot of time you know, presenting works to us. So that's what we're going to look at today. What does he mean in this passage? And we might even find, Sam would be happy, he's on a mountain somewhere in Colorado this morning, but we might, may actually find another preposition that will take us there. Okay, so let's look at the passage again, right? So we are his workmanship, that's one of the words that we're going to look at. That's why I have it in red. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's where we're headed. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, about a week ago, do you all remember how windy it was? Did anybody pay attention to the wind? Yeah, it was crazy there for like two or three days. And there was one particular morning, I just remember because I do like these little prayer walks every morning and I was like on my walk and... And it was just blowing like crazy. I mean, my hair was a mess. And as it was blowing, immediately, because I was like thinking about, you know, this. I was thinking about this passage. And immediately I was like, oh, this is the passage in John 3. Lord, I know this passage. I know, actually, John 4. I know what's happening here. And maybe it was 3. I'll, I'll find out in a moment. That doesn't matter. Y'all don't care. This is just my own mind. You're right. And in this moment, I could look and I could see like the trees and I could see things flying and I could see dust and debris and what have you, but I could not see the wind. 
I couldn't see the wind at all, but I could see the effects of the, the wind. Yep, Jeremiah 3, 8, it says this. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You hear it sound, you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going, but everyone who's born of the Spirit, there's something within them that has this same kind of an effect. You know, what was the Lord saying to Nicodemus in this passage? Remember, Nicodemus is the Pharisee, and he comes to him at night, and he's like, I need to know what's happening here. And Jesus is just like, you got to be born again. And that turns into a conversation, and then he goes right into this before he gives us John 3.16, which we all know. I mean, I think that he is saying a lot of things, but one thing that he is definitely saying is that there is a change for people who have been born of the Spirit. I mean, did you catch that? You know, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Johnny looks the same, but his behavior has changed. His actions have, have changed. You know, most of you all know that I was a part of a Christian school for 23 years before the Lord actually called me here. And I can think of a couple of instances. One, back in 2001, we were building the school building. And we had a construction team, and I had like all of the people together, and we would assemble every week. And we, one particular day, we were having a conversation about who we were going to get to paint the building, right? And so I recommended this one individual, and there was a little bit of a, a negative response from my general contractor. He was like, okay, well... We can, we can look at that as an option. I really like this guy over here. But then afterward, he came to me, and he was like, listen, Jerry, I've worked with that guy. I mean, he's vile. He doesn't treat his employees well, you know, and so on and so forth. And I probably shouldn't say more than that, you know, because we are all alive. But he just was like, I just don't know that he would be a good fit for Providence Academy. And I'm like, did you know that he became a Christian not too many years ago? And he's like, no, no, I didn't know that. But he was still skeptical. And I'm like, why don't you meet with him? And then we'll go from there, right? So he did, and he came back to me, and this is what he said. This is the quote, unquote. He said, Jerry, this isn't the same person. I don't know this person. The more time he spent with him, and now he uses him a lot for his jobs, right? But the, the more time he spent with him, he said something had changed. The wind had blown over this individual, and his conduct had changed. There was true fruits of the Spirit, but it was also experienced in the way that he led his, his company. And all of the employees could see that this was a follower of Jesus. I think about another situation, and Maddie, you know of this situation. You know, there was um, a Hindu couple that had, you know, come into the, church, the, the school and they wanted to put their kid in the school, and that turned into a conversation because I was like, they don't know the Lord. They're just trying to get their kids into school because we have high academics. And there's always this, as a discipleship school, there's always this, hey, share your faith with me. Let's talk about your faith. And they tried so hard. They just did not know Christianity. And it was just works, 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 works. I believe in God. You know, it, they were trying really, really hard. And I literally, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. So I literally got the word of God out and I put it in, in, with them. And I said, look, okay, let's do this. And I would pull another a scripture and I would say read that out loud what do you think that that's saying how about this one why don't, you, why don't you tell me what that's saying and I walked them through a little bit of Romans road a little bit of Ephesians 2 8 through 10 and a little bit of first John I didn't get all the way through and then tears started coming out of his eyes and he he just said I believe it's like will you believe what 
He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sins. She came to faith, their children came to faith, and they ended up all being baptized at the same time. Okay, my point is, a couple of months later, one of my board members came to me and said, I don't know this individual. You know, she was a doctor, and he said, I, I worked with her closely. She is a changed person. The winds had come over her, and it just changed her whole demeanor. If that is not the case with us, if it doesn't change the way we spend our time, the way we react in situations, the way we handle conflict, what we do with our money, and so on and so forth, then it may be that there have been no true winds of change come to us, that what we're doing is we're banking on religion and those lists that we talked about earlier as the thing that will get us into heaven. Not the case. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 is talking about a change in someone, and there's, a, there's a, a change that comes because of what Christ has done that will lead to works, and that's where we're going. Okay, now if you'll look at the passage, you're going to see this, um, you can go back and look in your worship guide, this, this word workmanship, okay? That's the first word I want you to see. So look at your, your, your guide, get your pen out. I want you to mark that one. I gave this to the, the crew when we, before we came in here today. I said, there's a lot in this sermon, but the one word, I just can't get it out of my head, is this word workmanship. So this word workmanship is a very interesting word. It is poema. The word is poema. And it means a work, creation, what is made, something that is constructed, and it was often used to describe a statue or a sculpture, or a painting, or a poetic work, or poem. And what is interesting is this. It was only used one other time in the New Testament. And it was in Romans 1.20. If you want to make a, look, you know, make a note, go look at that later. And it says that the creation of the world, the things that have been made. It was talking about how God had made in his creation these things that have been made, this workmanship. That's the word that's used. But this time, that word workmanship, he's talking about us. Same word, but this time it describes us and how we were recreated. My word, not word of God, but we were recreated to be like him. And we were recreated in such a way that we are his workmanship. I mean, there's so much goodness there. There's so much that we could just, just hang out right there. Because most people that are in here today, they don't see themselves as the workmanship of God. They see themselves as strugglers, as sinners. You keep on letting yourself down. You keep on letting God down. It's one, you know, valley after another after another. And you see yourself that way. And the key is because of Christ, in Christ, right, we are his workmanship. And if we don't believe that, we're not going to walk in victory. So this one word is so important that it, at a minimum, it deserves a truth. So here's truth number one. If you're new to Redstone, this one's probably in your worship guide, and it's got some blanks if you want to fill them in. Those who confess Christ as Lord and follow him are God's workmanship. We are his painting, his poem, his work of art. I doubt that most of you believe that. And this is why we preach and teach the gospel over 
and over and over until it starts sinking in and we start seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember it's because we're in Christ, we're encased in Christ, it says that he is a new creation. You know, and I know we say it every week, but it's because we are in Christ that we are recreated in Christ that we are anything good. And positionally, there's true beauty. There's poetry that God uses when he looks at us and sees us in Christ. And he's talking, if you remember when we first started this series in Ephesians 1, he's talking to all of the saints in the churches. Remember that? You remember what, who we said the saints were? The saints is all of us. It's not this elevated, you know, super Christians like Mike Tierney. It's not like that, right? There are super, super Christians, Mike, you know, that's not what we're talking about, you know. But no, we're all saints. So sometimes when we see like new creation and truth, beauty of poem, a work of art, that must be referring to someone else that can't be referring to me because my heart is a mess and I make bad decisions every day. Okay. So looking at this passage, I don't know why, but we just kind of grabbed a hold of prepositions in this um, chapter, and we've been using them every week. So find a preposition that you think is going to be really important and that is going to take us to um, a door that we need to go through. So what preposition do you see? Which one? Look at it. Look at the passage. Four good works. Okay, the four is right. Look at the second four. The second four opens up the door to the rest of the teaching and to the rest of the sermon. So it's important that you see that. We're created for good works. So lest your mind is going back to last week and we're talking about it's by grace and it's through faith and it's not of ourselves and it's not of works. And now you're talking about works. Understand that this word for here is going to open up our understanding. Okay. We are in no way saved by our good works, but because of salvation, we are called to good works. I speak a lot of words. You don't hear all of them because sometimes you're thinking, where am I going to go eat for lunch? So I'm going to get your attention and I'm going to say this again. I want you to hear it. This is important. We are in no way saved by our good works, but because of salvation, we are called to good works. And that's the theme of Ephesians 2.10 couple passages for you. I could share more, but I'm just going to give you a couple. This is Acts 26, 20. It says, repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. You see, these deeds follow repentance. The deeds don't lead to repentance. They don't lead to salvation. Next one, Matthew 5, 16 says it this way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Because the wind has blown over you, you were this painter, but now you're this painter. 
You were this doctor, but now you're this doctor. You were this dad, but now you're this dad. You were this fill in your own blank. But there's been this change that's taken place, and people are watching, and they're going to see whether the salvation actually stuck or not. We only know if it sticks if it's more than a short duration of time, say, following a revival you know, service. It sticks when it changes the way you live the rest of your life. You may make bad decisions. You will continue to sin. You will still have conflict, but you will repent quickly. You will ask for forgiveness more quickly, and you will forgive others, and you will learn to forgive others in the same manner that you have been forgiven because the risen Christ resides within you, and he won't let you get away with anything less than that. And then he will open up your eyes to see these needs all around you, and he will call you to step into them for the rest of your life. One of the commentaries I read put it this way. This is good. Works are not the root of salvation. They are the fruit of salvation. The reformers used to say, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. I love that. We are not saved by faith plus works, by, but by a faith that works. We are a living faith. We possess a functioning faith. Our second truth, I already just said that, is going to be this. Visible proof of salvation is shown by the fruit of works. If you're filling in blanks, the fruit of works done and seen throughout a believer's life. And so much so that God has prepared these works beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 1, I think it was 13 times, it was one sermon that we had, one teaching shows that he is the master planner. I mean, his day timer is like precise. He has a plan, he knows what he's doing, he's executing to this plan. But his plan is not just for the universal church, it's for you individually he has a plan for your life you're you are able to influence people in your world in a way that i could never influence them it makes me think of um first corinthians 12 if you want to have a look at that you know one body but many parts and sometimes we look at certain oh he's a pastor you know he is a super saint you know so you know the lord is going to use him in miraculous ways but i could never be used no not so that's not true at all the, the indispensable parts, the parts that we think don't matter, like the big toe. They're very, very, very important. And we have some big toes in here, and we have some others that are fingers and hands and elbows. And God uses every one of those. You have the ability to impact the kingdom of God and to impact this world like no one else that is in this room. Because God has a plan. You are his workmanship, right? And he has prepared in advance for things that he wants you to do. Colossians 4.2 says, remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it. And when I hear this, it just screams that passage out to me. I know I quote that passage a lot. 
This is the passage that I grabbed a hold of like five or six years ago and it changed my life. Because what it did was, it showed me that I did not have my eyes open. I was not watchful and I was not intentionally prayerful. And I began to pray intentionally and I began to pay attention to the people that were at the coffee shop or that was in front of me at Walmart or whatever and I began to have conversations with them or to see who is it that the Lord's laying on my heart and I began to go spend time with them and to listen to their stories and I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail so I'm going to come back but this passage it changed me but if we're not paying attention if we're not seeing them if our eyes are closed because we're thinking about the next place that we need to be then we are not going to see the works that the Lord has prepared in advance for us to do. And another reason sometimes we miss it, I had um, a one-on-one with um, a gentleman a week or so ago, and he's got this one besetting sin in his life. And he's really struggling with this one particular sin, and I asked him this question. I said, when you sin... And when you, we talked about this, when you go into hiding because you feel really guilty because of your sin, here's my question to you. During that season that you're there and hiding, how much work do you do for the kingdom of God? He was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, just while you're there, you know, do you tell people about Christ? You know, are you like really stepping into the needs of other individuals? And he was like, no, I don't do any. No, of course you don't. Because when you're wallowing in guilt and not believing the gospel, your focus is on me, 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 and it's not on others, others, others. So we can miss it. Truth number three, it's a long one. God has indeed prepared works for us to do, but if we aren't, and here's what I'm saying, if we aren't paying attention, and if we're not applying the gospel And let me just hit pause there. What I mean by applying the gospel is either Jesus died for all of your sins or he did not and it's on your shoulders to go save yourself. Well, good luck with that. And if he did die for all of your sins, you can go to him and confess those sins to him and you will receive forgiveness because of what Christ has done, not because you're good. Last week we said that our goodness is as filthy rags. It's never about how good we are. It's always about how perfect Christ is. And sometimes we stay over here in self-pity and in hiding for way too long. And when we do that, we do nothing for the kingdom of God. Recycling back to late January when we were having the conversation about sexual temptation... And I was explaining that thing starts like with Larry. I think he said it started like at 12 years old and you cycle, you just kind of keep on going into hiding. You come out of hiding, you go back into hiding and you keep on doing that. And then one day you wake up and you're 70 years old. How much have you done for the kingdom of God? Not really a whole lot because I've been in hiding and I've been wallowing guilt most of my life. And the enemy's like, exactly. It's exactly what I wanted make you think about yourself, make you think about your sin, and as long as you're doing that, you're not even going to see the good works. Are you following me? That's what we do, and it's a lie from the enemy. So applying the gospel moment by moment 
quickly, confess quickly in the moment while you're driving when you realize that you're slandering someone in your heart or you just said something you shouldn't have said. Confess it quickly. Believe the gospel. Worship him in that moment and then move forward and keep your eyes open. But if we don't do that, we will miss out on many of the opportunities in front of us to help build his kingdom. Okay, let me keep going. Now, the word that's used here for works, it's almost always translated as just that. I love it when it makes it easier on us. It's work, works, a deed, or a task. It involves using time and energy to accomplish something or assist with accomplishing something. Okay. Our third graders could define work in the same manner. So when you hear work, when you just hear that word work, what's your response? I'm just curious. What do, you, what do you think? Where does your mind go when you hear the word work? Somebody tell me. Sweat? Labor? Money? Kara? What was this? There's a lot left to do. Okay. Yes. It's, it's always undone. It's never full, you know, finished. What else? Tired? No one has said joy yet. Is that because you, you were getting ready to and it just hasn't come out yet? Anyone who knows my wife, and this is honest, leading out loud struggle here, knows that there's no one this side of the Mississippi who can outwork her. And it wears me out. I'm being serious. I'm not just saying that. Kyler, you and Evan just moved into your house. You had a bunch of guys helping you out. Did she outwork all of them? Absolutely, right? She just doesn't know when to stop. I remember, you know, my son Caleb, who's off in Kentucky, he used to be a CrossFit trainer, and he trained her one time. And I watched him. And he would say things like, okay, now this is a pure, I mean, this is pure exaggeration, so just know that. This is not true. But he would say, okay, mom, here's what I need you to do. And he trained her, and she won a Spartan race against a bunch of young girls, right, because of this. He would say, I want you to run to the top of that mountain, and when you get up there, and sprint, you don't stop. When you get up there, I need you to do 100 burpees, 100, you know, sit-ups, 100, you know, whatever, and I want you to run back as fast as you can and run around the house 20 times. And she would go, okay, and shoom, she would just go because pain would not affect her. However, because that kind of stuff she enjoys, but in her day job where she makes money, right? Not quite the same. The work ethic is there, but there's no joy in it. It's tedious, it's hard, it's a struggle, it's sweat. And why is that? Why do you think that that is? It's because of sin. If you remember before sin came into this world, what were Adam and Eve doing? They were working in the garden for the glory of God. And there was joy, and it was wonderful, and it was beautiful. There was, there was purpose, you know? And it was good, right? But when sin came, it tainted all of that. And now we do have labor sweat, and we struggle, and we long for vacation. But we used to work humanity for purpose under God's direction, and it was beautiful. And you may be like, wait, what? Work? Good? I don't understand. Those two do not go together. 
But that is what happened. And one day, one day, when we have left this world, and it is all over with, the craziness that we've all experienced, and we are in heaven, we will actually work again. We will. And it'll be beautiful. We will worship, we will work, and it'll be harmonious, and it will be good. But on this earth, sometimes we struggle. We struggle with work in general, and then we struggle with accomplishing the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So in a moment like this, it's just good to kind of check and see, how you doing? How you doing with your attitude towards work in general? How you doing with keeping your eyes open and seeing the needs that are in front of you? How are you doing with confessing sin quickly so you're not getting sucked into the ploys of the enemy? How are we doing? Are we about the Father's business? That's the question that we should all be asking. Have we become lazy in the kingdom? And I just pray that God would search our hearts and that re true repentance would flow where it is needed and that we would walk out of today reinvigorated with an understanding that we are the saints, that we are his workmanship, and he's called us to do very specific things, and we need to be about his business. In John chapter 15, soon after Jesus says this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, somebody finish this, apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus just says, apart from me, you can do nothing, with the point being that we are hopeless and that we are helpless apart from King Jesus. Okay, right after he says that, and then he goes on to say this. So this is just a continuation of that passage. He says, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so, big word here, prove. This is so that you will prove to be my disciples. You'll know a tree by its fruit. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. If there's no fruit of works and of love and joy and peace and these others, you know, in your life, then there's no abiding that's taking place. Let me continue. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you. And then he goes on to say, look, here's the J word, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I love that. If we're abiding in King Jesus and it's his fruit that is flowing from us, even when we're in the middle of that lawn care day, you know, we're weed eating, we're chopping wood, we're stacking it, there's this satisfaction that even though you're really, really tired, that at the end of the day, it's like, it is good. It is really good. And you can still find joy in that. A couple of weeks ago at sermon prep, quick pause, sermon prep, new people don't know this probably, but we have sermon prep every Monday. I say 345, that just gives you time to get a coffee, which we will pay for. 
at the coffee company. It starts at four o'clock and we go one hour. We're done at five o'clock every single Monday. Okay, we started this very early on as a church as an excuse to show people that the word of God is alive and the people that come to sermon prep are not pastors. They're people just like you that have insight, that see the word of God come alive and sometimes they speak up and sometimes they don't, but it's magical. It's my favorite hour of every single week. And you're invited. Sometimes we have too many people we have to spread off, you know, to a couple of different tables. But all we do is take the word of God that we're going to look at in a couple of weeks and we lay it on a piece of paper, you know, put it on a piece of paper in front of everybody and give you a pen. We say a prayer and then we shut up and we go and we read. Am I allowed to say shut up? I'm not sure if I can do it or not. We, we go back and we um, just read it silently. We mark it up, and then we talk about it. It's beautiful. So a couple of weeks ago, we were at Sermon Prep, and you're not going to be able to see this, and that's okay. But this was Mackenzie Stein, right? So Mackenzie is part of our body. And we were talking about this particular passage, this John 15 passage, and she's sitting beside of me, and I'm like, what in the world is that? So she goes on to explain, right? So you can see up here on the, the world, you see the world? So there's the world, you work and you earn. Good behavior equals reward. Bad behavior is punishment. You work more, you earn more success, and you're climbing the ladder to success, okay? And then on the bottom, you see cross, you see the kingdom, you see Christianity. It says, he comes down to me, lives in me, and bears the fruit through the Holy Spirit. What is our part? It is simply to abide, You've died to the law through the body of Christ that you may belong to him in order to bear fruit to God. Now we're in Romans chapter 7. Released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. It's just a good visual picture of John 15. And Christians can sometimes get stuck in that ladder. Like I'm trying to impress God like you can do that. And the whole key is going to just be abide in Jesus, allow his fruit to come out of you because it's he that is living within you. And when that happens, and you all have probably heard of this acronym JOY. Anybody know the acronym JOY? I think we've used it before. J-O-Y. J stands for Jesus. O stands for, right? My teachers are definitely getting that. And then Y stands for yeah, you. you this, is, this is your order. I put Christ first, but because Christ is first in my life, I then focus on others. To do unto others as I would have them to do to me. And then I take care of myself last. That's what Jesus has called us to. And he tells his disciples after washing their feet, he says, go do likewise or you have no part with me. You're not really my followers unless you're also willing to serve others and wash their feet. Feet or feet. Bearing much fruit shows that we are his, and this brings joy to us. I really do love that. That is that hard day's work. I've had, I've had some days like this at Redstone Elizabethan through counseling and struggle and seeing people in the ditch and just whatever, one after another after another, and I get through the end of that day, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, you're so good. I see what you're doing. You're working in people's lives, and you're allowing me to be a part of that. I am tired, but it is good. And that's what he desires 
from us. Who's number four? Christianity will always involve the work of serving others. And within that work, we will or we can find true joy. We did um, a sermon series, I don't know, back August, September, October, November. It was about four months worth on the table. Okay, so if you were here for that series, let's see if you paid attention. This is a long time ago. I get it. I'm going to give you grace here. So what was on top of the table? Right, so here's the table. We've got like a table on our logo, right? So the gospel is always on top. That's the thing that we're consuming. That's the thing that we're taking in. And then leg number one, may know? Maddie, you better know. Worship, okay. Leg number one was worship, and we talked about what worship is. Leg number two, anybody remember? Community, very good. Okay, thank you, Jennifer. Leg number three, ah, skip leg number three. Leg number four was multiplication, but leg number three was service. Okay, this is what we're talking about. And we said with this table, like, why do you have a, a table on your logo? Well, because we think that this table is a good representation of Christianity. This is Jesus' fellowship. It's not, oh, I'm going to believe the gospel, and then at some point in time, I'm going to start worshiping. And then maybe later, I'll be in community with other people. And who knows, I might even find time and be one of those special saints, and I actually serve. And discipleship, I know most other people do that, but maybe I'll even get to the fourth leg of discipleship. No, 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 and no, over and over. This is Christianity. Christians believe the gospel, they worship Jesus, they live within community, they serve the Lord, and they're about the Father's business of making disciples. And if we're not doing those things, we're completely missing what Jesus' fellowship is. It has its own leg, people. It's got to be important, right? So leg number three is service. It'll always be a part of Jesus' fellowship. There's so much more to say on this topic. A double dog dare you to go read the book of Titus this week. In the book of Titus, it's only three chapters, you're going to hear these words. Model of good works, zealous for good works, ready for good works, devoted to good works, and then with a caution that without our good works that we will deny him. Three chapters, but he's saying good works like five or six times. You can't separate the two. Good works can never save you, but good works show that you are saved. We're going to end our time today with James chapter 2. Listen to this. This is verses 14 through 18 and verse 26. So what good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? So you say, I'm a Christian, but I don't necessarily have works. And it says, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, well, what good is that? So also, 
by itself, faith by itself, if it does not have works or does not have works, it is dead. Verse number 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. True faith and works will always go together, not as a means to salvation, and I've said this about five times now, but as a proof of salvation. And that distinction is critical because every other religion in the world is about doing and doing and doing and making ourselves worthy before whoever that God might be. And I said it last week on one of my little side show tangents that in the South, we're really, really good about doing good works, but not for the purpose of bringing honor and glory to God, but just for the sake of religion and making ourselves feel better about ourselves. And that, my friends, is not salvation. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared for you, insert your name, to do. Prepared in advance for you to do. My desire is that this would sink in. That our eyes would be opened. That the Lord would reveal people that are in our world, our circle of influence, that could use a little Jesus, that could use some more of our time, and that we would push up our sleeves, put on our gloves, put on our Christian work boots, and we would be about the Father's business. Spend a few moments just praying, you know, asking God to, you know, just direct your heart to show you things maybe that you haven't seen before, to help you to see things maybe in this passage that are convicting or just there's something that you're reminded of. But just, let's allow him to speak to us for a few moments and then we'll open it up and see what kind of response, if any, that we have from the body. Let's pray.